from my heart. Um, this weekend I was reflecting on a scripture from Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. And this is what it says. It says, On Christ you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized, were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Clothed in Christ, no slave, free, Jew, Gentile, male, female. I started to reflect upon that as, as I was thinking about what we're about to do for Renee, about blessing her ministry, and I was thinking about the blessing of the consecration of my own ministry years ago. And, and the challenge I have as a pastor to stand before you and, and to share what I believe God has placed on our heart and, and our call in Christ. And I, I share with you my heart today because, like you, I've watched events in Virginia this weekend. I've watched the protests. I've watched the violence. We've seen loss of life. And I reflect on what it means to be clothed in Christ. What it means to recognize that, that we're, there is no male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. And I say to you, as a congregation, largely, almost, you know, well, let me say, largely made up of white Christians, that there can be no discipleship. There can be no faithfulness to Christ. There can be no political drive or, or emphasis that can be clothed and, and cloaked in violence and hatred and anger. It is not the way of Jesus. It can be nothing that divides us, and there's so much that divides us. This isn't about politics. This is not about where you feel, you know, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. It's not about that. But it's about a drive and, 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 and politics that is clothed and cloaked as white supremacy and that is wrong and that is sin and is not the way of Jesus and it is it is time for the church to take a stand we have got to stand up against this it cannot be it cannot be and so I challenge you because I don't know what that means I don't know what that looks like but again I'm not talking politics stand for what you believe make us you know be vocal about what you believe but don't ever be Hatred. Don't ever cloak it in hatred and anger and violence and division, because that's not the way of Jesus. When we, when when we take vows of membership, if you've joined this church, you made two promises in addition to a few others, and it's one: Do you join in ministry which the church, with the church which Christ is open to people of all ages, nations, and races? All ages, nations, and races. And do you promise to stand against evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I'm challenging us, I'm challenging me as a church to stand, to stand. And be seeds of peace like John talked about in his prayer. Peace and love and, and healing rather than division and, and anger. And that's not an easy thing to do because we are passionate. And I'm not trying to tamper down anybody's passion but I am challenging you to think about how that passion is lived out. So that's the sermon before the sermons this morning. And it's, it's as much for me as it is for you, but, but I felt it was important for me to say 
and to share with you as I reflect on what it means to be called to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, in, a, in somewhat of a, an, an awkward transition, I want to invite Renee Tucker to come forward as another who has been called uh, and has answered that call to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, in a moment, we're going to do a prayer and a blessing for Renee. Let me turn her around here for a second. Most of you now know Renee. She has uh, stepped in on a couple of occasions now and preached um, for, for me, for you. Uh, she is doing visitation and hospital ministry here at the church and, and looking for uh, always ways to be involved and to serve. And, and Renee spent the last three and a half years uh, studying. This was not just a, a kind of a whim, I think we can safely say. She's put her, her blood, sweat, and tears in it for three and a half years of, through the Evangelical Church Alliance. Did I get that right? Very good. I finally get it. Uh, studying theology and counseling and biblical studies and, and the practice of ministry and has been ordained, and um, we, we celebrate that. And, and as a minister here among us, as, as one of the servants of Christ among us who is, who's answered that call to serve, we wanted to do a blessing for her and, and uh, recognize this, this call upon her life. And I'm going to use, in a moment, she's going to kneel. I'm going to invite some of you to come forward. And I'm going to use oil, which reminds us of two things biblically. One, it's an oil, oil was used to anoint those who call, you remember David was, was anointed with oil um, by, by the prophet uh, before he became king and, and this recognized a special call upon his life. And the oil also reminds us of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, so we're going to do that. We're going to anoint um, Renee with oil. And uh, so I'm going to invite her to kneel and the family and friends and really anybody else, let me invite the family and friends, but anyone else who wants to come and lay hands on Renee, you can do this right now um, as we, we surround her and we pray for her. Let us pray. Renee, as you are anointed here with oil, may this oil remind you of the call of Christ upon your life which you have answered, that you have responded to in faithfulness, that invitation to come and follow me. May it remind you of your call to be a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ, an instrument of his peace and a voice to his people. And may the oil remind you of the presence of the Holy Spirit, which gives you strength beyond your own abilities, that intercedes on all our behalfs, that empowers you with God's power. And allows you to be that instrument that he has called you to be. That clay in the hands of a potter who will mold and shape you in his service and ministry. Renee, take this mantle. Serve with joy. And remain obedient to God's call upon your lives all the days that he gives you. Until one day we enter together into his eternal promise. Be strengthened now by his Holy Spirit and consecrated to service in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, a great. All righty. Well, we'll continue now to transition 
to uh, this morning's message, and it, uh, it comes from Hebrews chapter 11, actually chapter 11 and part of chapter 12. So if you have a Bible and you want to open or you have a cell phone that you want to use, I know a lot of folks nowadays have their Bibles on their cell phones, I do want to remind you, um, you're free, always free to use your cell phone, preferably not to play Tetris, but you know, for your Bible. But uh, please do um, silence them if they're on. Uh, Tetris. I don't know. Tetris. Uh, it was the first thing that came to mind. I, I claim it. You can't give me grief. Seriously. Yeah, she can, but you can't. So. There's, I have Tetris on my phone. No. God, No. Um, all right, so we're going to be in Hebrews in, in just a moment. Don't get me off track. A lot of you have asked this morning uh, how this week went. If you weren't here last week, um, just to kind of refresh, last week was, was, um, was Ryan's last week, my son, I should say our son. And uh, so this week Ryan was moved. We took him to college. And so we made the trip up to Tennessee. Uh, I made the trip up. Tony was not able to go. Uh, because of the start of the school year. So we'll be going back in a couple weeks. She's going to get her chance to go up and, and spend time with Ryan. But we made, made that move and uh, drove up on Wednesday. And he in one car and me in the other. And I turned around and drove back on Friday. So basically two, two trips by myself uh, there in the car. And that gives you a lot of time to think when you drive that, that far. Some of you um, maybe have done that on a regular basis. Usually I'm with somebody, so, so this drive and basically 11 hours um, in your own thoughts um, can be dangerous sometimes. Um, but it is, yeah, scary. It's, it is from our house, our driveway, to Middle Tennessee State University, it is 707 miles. And as I said, about 11 to 12 hours, depending, because you, you drive that I-75 corridor. A lot of you know it well. And so you've got to deal with Atlanta, which is always the, the unknown. You're never quite sure what you're going to get when you get uh, into Atlanta. And then and the other one you've got to at least be a little aware of is Chattanooga. Chattanooga can get a little backed up if you don't hit the, the time. So we try to strategically plan our departure times so that... Lord willing, we can hit both of those places before, before rush hour. But as I was driving and, and you know, keeping myself occupied, I started to reflect upon uh, the nature of transportation. And, and I kind of oversimplified it, but I realized human history has been marked by the, the endeavor to advance technology in such a way that we get more efficient at getting from point A to point B quickly. I mean, think about it. The... the horse and buggy, which, which gave way to the, to the car, which has constantly advanced in speed, which gave way or which created the need for interstates, which allowed us to move quicker between point A and point B to get to where we want to go as fast as possible. And then other advances in technology, planes being the most obvious, the fact that, that we can now shorten an 11-hour trip by getting on a plane and getting to a destination much quicker, though it's not always much quicker nowadays. Because even, I was thinking about this, if I fly to Nashville to go to Murfreesboro, it's still going to take, if you figure travel time to the airport, going through the security, the whole, it's still a six, and hour, six or seven hour process. But the idea is we constantly want to figure out ways to get 
to where we need to go faster because we want to shorten the journey. That's kind of what it becomes, shorten the journey. Science fiction is full of this kind of fantasy. Star Trek, beam me up. You know, how many of us not wish? I, trust me, in an 11-hour drive between here and Murfreesboro, I surely would have loved that kind of a technology. Just instantaneously, get me to where I need to go. Or, or travel at light speed, those kind of things. And so what happens is science fiction begins to give way to, to reality in, in some in some measure. And one of the, the technologies that is being developed, and I don't know if developed right, it's being dreamed of and, and being constructed, if you will, is what's called a hyperloop. Have you heard of a hyperloop? Anybody familiar? Have you read about this? Hyperloop, uh, Elon Musk, if you're familiar with the name, is the, 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 the brains and the idea behind this. It is a transportation system that, in its design, relies on, on a tunnel system. It incorporates magnetism, the way that some of the trains now in China and Japan, some of the magnetic trains that can go super speeds, magnetism and pressure, pressure in these tubes. Kind of the way a, um, at the bank, when you drop your money in the, in the tube and it sucks up, it's that kind of a, an idea. And I don't... I don't fully grasp all of this. I'm not a science guy. So if you're a science person, you're going, wow, he couldn't butcher this anymore. I, I get it. But, but I'm trying to give you the concept. But the idea is, the, the, the theory behind it is that with this kind of a transportation system, you can travel 600 miles an hour. They said the idea is that the prototype they want to run is between Los Angeles and San Francisco. And the idea is that you could get there in 30 minutes. And so I'm driving thinking 707 miles, 600 miles an hour. I could be here in one hour and 10 minutes. Because that's the way I process. I want to get where I'm supposed to be. I want to get there. I want to skip the hassles of the journey. And I want to arrive at the destination. Here's where I'm going with this. What begins to, to become uh, an idea or a desire in, in practical realities and practical experiences of our life very often also begins to shape our spiritual expectations, our spiritual hopes. And that is what I mean is I, I, I approach my spiritual life, my, my faith in Christ the same way. I want to be the person that I'm called and created to be right now. I want to be exactly what God has called me to be. I want to be faithful. I want to be, I want to be a fully mature follower of Jesus right now. And where I get frustrated is over and over, kind of like hitting traffic jams on the interstate or getting locked up in Atlanta by the merge of traffic. My, my life becomes jammed up in places and I don't get where I want to be. I don't behave the way I'm called to be. I don't live the love of Christ the way I'm called to, to live it. And I get very frustrated at my failure to be who I know God wants me to be. I'm here. I want to be there. But I want to be there right now. And that's not the reality. It's not the reality of the way our spiritual journeys are laid out. And, and Paul writes a chapter in Hebrews. This chapter 11 that I'm going to read the back end of. And it's, it's a chapter that talks about the heroes of the faith. Uh, some of the verses before I'm going to read... Uh, Noah and um, Jacob 
and Moses, Rahab, those who had been mighty instruments of God's purpose and God's plan, men and women who had been obedient and became these kind of focus points of faith and and the powerful things God could do through men and women who are willing to be obedient to his call. And and they become idolized. And, And we do this. We idolize men and women of faith. Maybe some of the biblical heroes, maybe there are people in your life. In fact, I hope there are that have been witnesses of faith and obedience that, that you kind of look at and you idolize them. And, and if you're like me, sometimes you wish you could be more like them. And so Paul shares these kind of heroes. But I think there's something not explicit but implicit in what he does that we need to pay, pay some attention to this morning about our own spiritual journey. So with that, let me pick up the scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 29, the faith chapter. says, By faith... The people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. He's telling the story of of his people. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell, and the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. What more can I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon and, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. And David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became more powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. I mean, I want you to stop. I want you to hear what Paul's saying. These miraculous, these mighty, these powerful things that God did through these men and women who were obedient. And, and I read that, and if I can just, I read that, and I'm like, that's, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. But I know how far short I fall of that. It goes on. To say, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us... So that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And let me read one more verse this morning. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, sisters, I pray God's blessing here on the reading of his word. These faith is heroes, Moses and Noah, and Abraham, and and Jacob, and Samson, and David, and Gideon, and Rahab, these men and women that Paul talks about and and lifts up as an example of faith before the people of God. 
of the mighty things that God does to those who are obedient. And, and, and I sit there and go, I want to I wanna be like that. And where I can get frustrated in my journey is I know how far short of that I fall. And others in my life who don't have novels written about them or books written about them, but who have witnessed faith and obedience, and I think I fall so short of that. And, and there's a tendency, if we're not careful, as we rightfully celebrate what God has done through them, to forget the complete picture of their lives. To measure ourselves against that and, and to see how far we are short and forget something that is, that is significant. Because what happens, you know, this, this hyperloop example that I talked about is, is that's what I want in my spiritual development. I want that hyperloop. I want to get there now. And what I have to remember and what the scriptures testify to in the completeness of the picture that we need to spend a few minutes exploring this morning is that transfer, transfer, transportation and transformation are very different things. And that there is, there, there may be a shortcut in a commute, but there is no shortcut in the creation and the development of our character. And that is a process. That is a journey that we need to embrace, not just where we want to be, but the journey that God has us on, the journey that God is present with us in as we become who he has called us to be. And we strive to be more like Christ and to grow in our faith. And what I mean is that when we begin to spend some time, if we had time to really do an in-depth, you know, couple-hour Bible study here and start to unpack the stories of the men and women of faith that Paul talks about, we realize that their journey was more like ours than we care to admit. That they did not just put their faith in God and immediately reach the destination of becoming mighty and powerful men and women of God, that they too had a journey like ours. And that journey was full of great moments of faith and significant moments of faithlessness, of, of triumph and of disobedience. I mean, begin to think about it for a second. Noah had his great moments of faith, this great hero of faith, and he built the ark, and God used him in powerful ways. But afterward, he got into some wine. And, and he got drunk, and he sinned. He sinned. In spite of his great faith, he was disobedient. Moses, Moses, one of my favorites, had to be convinced by God that God could do what he called him to do. And even then, he had moments of, of doubt and wrestling with God. And even then, he had his moments of disobedience when he did the very things God told him not to do, which is why he doesn't enter the promised land. Still a man of great faith and great obedience, but he stumbled on his path. David, the shepherd boy who kills a giant with a sling and a stone, and who also steps in faithlessness with a married woman named Bathsheba. And there are consequences for, to, pay, to pay, and there's a price to pay. But yet even in his description as a man after God's own heart, his journey was filled with those moments of, of disobedience. And Samson, if you know the story of Samson, I don't have to go very far in that one. He's kind of the Old Testament playboy, you know? And, and Gideon, who tested God. I mean, we could just go through each of these characters, and we can see times in their lives when even in their journey of faithfulness, they, they were disobedient, and they fell off that path. And we recognize that their reality is, is our reality. 
that, that we are constantly in a journey of, of becoming, of growing in our faith, and we're not there yet, and I am not there yet. And it is not an excuse for sin. I'm not sitting here saying, well, David sinned, so don't worry about it. Or, you know what, Samson was disobedient, so no big deal. It does matter. It does matter, and it is important. And there are consequences to that. But what I'm saying is that we have to recognize that, and I have to recognize, that our spiritual growth isn't an instantaneous leap. We don't get there in a single step. But it is a process, a slow and steady journey of becoming who God has called us to be. And it will be filled with those moments in which... We teeter, and we stumble, and we fall. And in those moments, we rest on God's grace to continue to move forward in faith, to shape our character into the very likeness of Christ, to give us the strength to endure some of the very kind of suffering and hardships that those who endured who were called in faith, but to continue to move in that journey. For me, it becomes an incredible word of encouragement, not of discouragement. When I read it, with a complete picture. And I hope it's a word of encouragement for you because we're on a journey. And I think Paul gives us some important insight into what that journey looks like and how we walk that path and how we run that race. And the first thing is this. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Eyes fixed on Jesus, Paul says, the author and perfecter of our faith. We keep our eyes on him in an effort to become more like him every day. That's been kind of this theme this morning. How do we become more like Jesus? We keep our eyes on him. In another lifetime, when I used to run a little bit, you know, jog a few miles at least, which I've shared with you, um, I know some of you are runners. I know some of you have, sp you will speak about the joy of running. I never knew that joy. <laughs> but I did it as best I could. And I endured. And, but what I had to do, and I don't know if this is a good tactic, but this is what I did. I, had to, I always had to fix my eyes on something ahead of me and say to myself, just get to that point. Just get there. Keep my eyes there. Once I got there, if I was trying to go further, then I'd find another point to fix on. But it was just always keep my eyes on where I wanted to be. Where I wanted to be. Paul says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, because that's the direction God moves us, to be more like Jesus. It's a process of becoming more like him. Keep your eyes on Christ. Now, there's a second point here that is not explicit in the text, but it is important if you study the lives of the men and women Paul talks about. And it's something that we're not good at, but it's necessary. And that is confession confession. I started to think about David and Saul. If you know the, the story of King Saul, the first anointed king of Israel, who was faithful for a while. And then you think about David, the second anointed king of Israel, who was faithful for a while. And I started to think, what's the difference? Why did Saul fall out of favor and David remain in favor? What was the character of David's life and the character of Moses' life and the character of Samson's life and the character of Abraham's life that begin to understand their remaining obedience with God, their remaining favor with God? And it's this, it's confession. When they sinned, when they fell short, when they were disobedient, they came honestly before God. They didn't hide it, they didn't pretend it wasn't real, they owned it. And they opened themselves up to God's grace and forgiveness. See, Saul doesn't do that. 
Saul's arrogance never let him do that. And others who have fallen, it, it becomes very dangerous when we're not willing before God, and we've talked about this in these last few weeks, to come confessionally and to recognize, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We recognize that, but remember also, for those who confess their sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And I think our push away from our Catholic brothers and sisters and the practices of the Catholic Church pushes us so far away from confession because we, we, we tend to think, well, I don't need to go to the priest or the preacher to confess. And you don't. In fact, for a lot of you, I recommend you not. Um, <laughs> just kidding. But we need to be honest before God. We need to be honest before God. And the character of the men and women that, that Paul talks about were that in their moments of sin, and their, at some point they came back to God confessionally, opening up and admitting their disobedience and allowing God to work through that. So we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We become confessional and, and honest before God in, in our sin and in our disobedience. And the third is this. We don't quit. We don't quit. Paul says we run the race with perseverance. In the King James Version, it says patience. Now, patience is something we've talked a lot about recently because it's a struggle for a lot of us. Again, we want things right now. We want to get there right now. I was thinking, you know where this hit me? This kind of this evolution, if you will, of the way that we live our lives. It hit me in the grocery store, standing before the oatmeal. Now, bear with me here for a minute. There's some oatmeal that you buy, maybe this is the way it used to be, that it takes about 30 minutes to cook. Um, steel oats. I looked this online, so I know I'm right here. 30 minutes to cook oatmeal. So I think in the grocery store they have the bags of oatmeal. I'm assuming that's the 30-minute oatmeal right there, or longer. But most of us don't have that kind of patience. So we start to move down to the Quaker oats, the rolled oats. They take five minutes. This is how I cook my oatmeal, five-minute oatmeal. Boil the water, put the oatmeal in, let it sit for five minutes, you're good to go. So five minutes. So we've gone from 30 minutes to five minutes. But if that still takes too long, next to it is the one-minute oatmeal. There's the one minute. Now, I don't know about that oatmeal. That's a little too fast. That makes me nervous. It is very good. All right, you're saying, all right, I'll try it. I'll take your word for it. Because five minutes is too long. We don't who has five minutes to cook oatmeal. So we've got the one-minute oatmeal. Now, you'd think that would wear us up, but that's not where it stops, does it? Because if one minute is still too much time out of your day, there's the boxes of what? Instant oatmeal. Pour the package out, hot water, you're good to go. This progression, because we're constantly wanting to simplify the journey, the process. Now, I know that's a silly example, but, but that for me becomes kind of the evolution of my life. I'm constantly wanting to simplify the process. I'm wanting to get there now. Paul says, run the race, but run it with patience. Run it with perseverance. Don't quit. Don't quit. He talks about the suffering of those who have gone before, yet they did not quit. That's the faithfulness of, of David and Samson and Abraham and Deborah and Gideon and Noah. They didn't quit. Yeah, they had setbacks. Yeah, they fell short. But they knew God was in the process every step of the way. And in it, they were becoming character that gets formed, faith as the result of this endurance. That becomes our challenge. We want to 
I want to be there. God reminds us, Paul reminds us, it's a slow and steady process. It's a journey of becoming. The destination matters, but God has something at the destination point greater than we can imagine. That's what he says. He had something better for them and better for us together. Something we can't begin to imagine until the day comes we step into that glory. But we're not there yet. And we continue to become. We continue to walk that path. And sometimes we stumble and fall. I, I love the quote from Leo Tolstoy. Some of you may be familiar with Tolstoy, the great Russian author, late 19th century, died in 1910, one of the greatest author of our time, War and Peace and other books. And he was, a, he was a tormented follower of Jesus. And when I say tormented, it's because he knew he wanted to be like Jesus. And he knew how far short he fell. And he struggled with a lot of vices and sin in his life. And sometimes he'd be called out for it. And he said once, do not. And others would doubt faith. They would doubt God because of his inability to be faithful. And he said, don't ever question the path just because I stumble along it. Just because I walk like a drunkard on the path. Stumbling from left to right makes the path no less true. Rather, help me walk it better. Help me walk it better. Well, that's our challenge for each other, to help each other walk it better, to become who God has called us to be in this slow and steady journey of faith. Let this be kind of our mantra. As we grow into the likeness of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we would keep our eyes fixed on him, We'd be honest before God in our shortcomings, and we wouldn't quit. Do not grow weary. Do not grow tired. But run with perseverance and patience, slow and steady, the race God has called you to. Amen? Let us pray. Gracious Lord, bless our journey, our becoming, and make us to be faithful in all things and obedient to your call. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen and amen.